Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Dwayne Walker, Chief Financial Officer at Lookbook HQ. Lookbook builds software that accelerates B2B purchasing decisions by helping marketing and sales educate prospects and customers faster and more efficiently. Dwayne is a former VP of Finance at Achievers, where he helped orchestrate the company's $110 million acquisition by Blackhawk Network. He is an experienced finance executive with a proven record of successfully growing companies through venture capital funding, IPOs, mergers, and acquisitions. A motivated, high-performing leader, Dwayne is focused on strategy, growth, people, and operational advancement. He earned his Bachelor of Business Administration from the Wilfrid Laurier University and is a chartered professional accountant. So without further ado, let's hear from the man himself, Dwayne Walker, CFO at Lookbook HQ. Good morning, Dwayne. Thanks a lot for coming on The Backbone and joining me today. Uh, really excited for this show. And um, so, you know, without further ado, I'm going to kick things off. Uh, prior to joining Lookbook, you were the VP Finance at Achievers and held several finance positions at technology companies prior to that. So talk to me about your journey to Lookbook and how you got started in the technology space as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, thank you so much for uh, for having me. I was uh, excited to get uh, the notification that you want to spend some time with me, so I'm excited to kind of talk about my story and, and my journey from uh, KPMG all the way through to where I am today at uh, Lookbook HQ. And, and it, it's interesting, my, my path is, is one that I'm, I'm pretty pretty proud about, so it all kind of started with a, a great decision that I made a long, long time ago to, uh, to applying and get accepted into the, the Laurier University Co-op program. And from there, uh, I was fortunate enough to get into KPMG and the, the audit practice, but more specifically the technology practice of audit at mm-hmm. KPMG in Toronto as an intern. And, and kind of from there, I kind of fell in love with the technology space and having had exposure while at KPMG, both as an intern and then on to, to manager uh, with companies like Rogers on the public side or the gaming industry and clients like Casino Rama, Fallsview, Ontario Lottery Gaming Corporation to then startups like, like Cyberplex. Um, it really got me kind of passionate about technology and, and the, the gaming industries in, in, in particular. Um, public companies was, was not something that was all that interesting to me. I really love the fact that 
on these technology companies in, in particular, you really get to see the, the true organization and how the various departments really work together for success and how finance and accounting can be a big, uh, big uh, uh, piece of that success. Mm-hmm, so, for sure. Yeah, so since kind of from there and having made a decision to, um, to leave KPMG after being a manager for a year or so, I, I again, was very fortunate in the fact that um, one of the, the audit partners at KPMG, Brendan Marr, just was very honest with me and said, hey, I got a great opportunity and it was this company called Excapsa. A new online poker company, uh, really cool. This is back when, when poker was all over the TV everywhere, be it on ESPN, right. Fox, or even TSN here in Canada. Um, a little company that was four people, but they had huge plans and I had had experience with that CFO um, or the, that current CEO at Excapsa when he was a CFO at one of my clients. Um, and I took that opportunity. I said, you know what, I have a skill set based on my experience at KPMG to take an opportunity with a, a cool startup company and uh, w- went for it. So joined as controller there. And again, I was kind of, yeah. Were you, were you a poker player? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It, kind of, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. It, was, it, it fell right into my sweet spot. So you think about it, it was, it was a software company in the gaming industry. And if you look back yeah. at my experience, I had these experiences with um, software companies, but I also had experience with uh, the, the gaming industry. For I sure, yeah. KPG. And it was just a perfect fit for me to think, I can stay in technology and also have this interest. And if you're out with your friends, and um, this is around 2005 time, everyone was talking about poker and online poker and it was a yeah. pretty cool industry to be in and um we were lucky enough that we so actually everyone everyone wanted to be your friend <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and, and you know what it was uh it was great it was a, a lot of hard work but a, a lot of fun as well and um we went and we took that organization public within six months on the, wow. you know, the stock exchange um we were growing by a hundred percent kind of month over month it was Five people up to 250 people, offices in Malta, uh, Costa Rica, and then in, in Toronto for the software development team. It was a, a great ride and fun. Um, but unfortunately, uh, for those that are listening, they may know a bit of the story that, that the U.S. Uh, um, Senate passed a law in 2006 that um, changed the online gaming industry forever. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided to kind of um, leave that organization, and we sold that organization to a group um, shortly after kind of 2006 and, and that was kind of my first experience of this like roller coaster of technology uh, organizations and, and while it's, it's painful at times the, the highs are pretty amazing and a lot of fun you meet some, some great individuals um, so at that point I was kind of hooked that, that technology and these, these type of companies is where I wanted my path to be um, so then from Excapsa I went on to Director of Finance at this company called Sigma Systems that was a really solid software company, very um, traditional on-premise software company in the the telecom cable industry. Mm -hmm. I was there for four years and uh, had a great um, mentor at that organization. But after those kind of three to four years, I kind of missed the roller coasters. What what kind of happened to me as an individual? (laughs) This is great and growing by five, 10% is is, is good, but it's not really the excitement and and, um, and passion that I wanted to, to experience. So um, again, I got, I got very lucky and fortunate that um, a role at, uh, at I Love Rewards back then, now called Achievers, in mm-hmm. the recognition reward space as VP of Finance, working with um, David Brennan as CFO and 
Razor Suleiman, which many listeners may know as the CEO and founder of yeah. uh, I Love Rewards and Achievers. Just the opportunity just kind of worked out perfect for timing. And I, I joined there in uh, 2010, just before we did our first raise of, uh, of our first uh, Series C. And then uh, from there, took that company. We, we, we quickly, after I joined, did our Series C raise with Sequoia Capital, Menlo Park, and um, grew the company from 45 or 50 employees up to 250 open offices. Oh, and, wow. Boston, Jacksonville, Florida, and then a, a large office in San Francisco while keeping the core uh, here in Toronto. And had the excitement of, of growing that, that organization up and having a lot of fun doing it. Again, roller coaster rides of highs and lows and funds and tons of stories where I could go on for hours to talk about <laughs> that experience of, of working with that team. Uh, and then a uh, decision was made back in 2015 that uh, an, an exit was the right uh, path for the organization. Uh, and mm -hmm. we, we sold that company to uh, Blackhawk out of uh, California for about uh, 110 million US back mm -hmm. in 2015. And again, I, I was it was uh, a great ride and a lot of fun. And uh, some tears are shed when you make the decision to leave an organization that you've kind of grown up with, and it's your your baby and child. And that's for the one sure. great thing about technology companies I find is is um, you, you know you, you've hired some great individuals when they actually feel like it's their child, it's their their baby. Uh, and they really mm -hmm. believe a lot in it. And, and it, over time, the, the nature of, of technology and software companies is that you exit, and exit is a very positive thing. We had a very positive exit of achievers. And then I was lucky enough that uh, another great opportunity, again, through the network of individuals that I built over time, to, uh, to have a role at uh, Lookbook HQ as a CFO, and I've been that. Uh, been here for now for about a year and a half that's awesome thanks for the that uh, that overview definitely um your career has been well you, you describe it as a lot of roller coasters but uh it's it's a very uh you know interesting journey to look back upon and so thanks for sharing that so now tell me a little bit more about lookbook what what is lookbook hq all about what do you guys do what is uh tell me a little bit more about that yeah and it's one of those things where um if, if i first look at, at achievers and the great part about achievers was the fact that in the recognition and rewards industry, it's something that you as an individual can relate to. Who does not want to actually get recognized for their performance on a daily basis? And when I was looking mm -hmm. for my next organization, I wanted to make sure that it was relatable to me as an individual, and, and that's hard. And the, the great part about uh, Lookbook HQ is that myself as a, as a CFO now, it's actually a product that I can relate to because it's all about uh, accelerating that path to purchase uh, in the B2B world. So. What Lookbook HQ is, is basically a SaaS-based uh, content platform, content marketing platform that really accelerates the purchaser's decisions in the B2B world by making it easier for buyers to consume the content of that organization which are thinking about buying their product wherever and whenever they're actually clicking on, on the web. It's really right. kind of putting the, the, the quality back into the marketing and sales qualified lead. It's one hmm. thing that if you think of, if you talk to a sales leader, they say, well, we're, are we really getting quality and qualified leads from our marketing uh, and PR right. teams. And, and our platform really allows that to happen because what we do is we let serious buyers binge on, on content and, and through, um, Interesting. through machine learning, we, we deliver a sequence or delivery of content that provides an engaging, personalized content journey for that potential buyer. An easy way to put it is most individuals in the B2B world are very familiar with Marketo, Eloqua, and that those mm -hmm. emails that you get where you get nurtured on a path for six months in a delivery of an email that is serving you a piece of content every three weeks in hopes that you click on it. The, the problem is, is that click-through rates are four to six percent. So if someone actually clicks on it, it's a, a, a very rare occasion. And also research says that it takes about eight to 12 pieces of content for a potential buyer to consume before they feel that they can relate and they understand 
what your organization, your product, your roadmap is all about. Click-through rates are that low. It's actually almost impossible for someone to actually to consume that much content that, that, that they require. And what our platform right. really does is if it's through an email campaign or a social campaign through your website, once that click happens, you, you click in, inside of our frame and you serve that piece of content. But then we'll promote based on what we know about you, based on what we know about your organization, cookies, etc. We'll serve you that next meaningful piece of content because we know that you have set aside as a buyer a period of time right now to consume content. We have yeah, your attention sure. and you're willing to binge. And, and that's really what our platform does. It allows you to actually consume that content. And on the back end, we provide that information back to our clients to say, hey, here is Steve. He's consumed six pieces of content in the last five minutes. He's, he's a fast-moving buyer. You should reach mm-hmm. out to him. And here's Mary. She's looked at two pieces of content. You should keep her on your nurture track that you're, you're developing today for your, uh, your prospects. But don't go right. there too early. And me as a buyer... There's nothing worse for me as a buyer to actually get a phone call too early in that process from uh, a sales rep saying, hey, I've seen you view this content. I'm like, yeah, no, 100%. don't call me yet. I, I want to buy your, your, your solution, just not yet. And, and call me at the right time. And our solution really provides that ability for organizations to contact their potential buyers at the right time. Awesome. Thanks for that overview. Really helps to understand uh, what what Lookbook does. Now, you know, if I've done my math correctly, in your tenure at Achievers, uh, you raised about $32 million US in venture capital funding. And then, like you said, you were acquired by Blackhawk Network for $110 million US. So talk to me a little bit about that run. Uh, I know you, ha- you mentioned you have a lot of stories there. Um, you know, raising from the likes of Sequoia and then leading a $100 million plus U.S. exit to, to a public company. What was that entire process like? The, the raising of the funds and then ultimately the, you know, uh, $100 million plus exit. Yeah, you know what? If, if you ask me, well, we're going through that process from 2010 to 2015, I would say it was crazy and wild and stressful and tiring. Um, but I look at it now and it was absolutely amazing. Uh, it was really, I was extremely fortunate to, 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 to be a part of that, that story of, of Achievers. And a great, uh, we, we knew that was going to be a great story when we kind of first went out and after I joined in September 10 mm-hmm. and we started having those uh, Series C conversations. And we got to the point in, um, in early February of 2011 where, where Sequoia had, was coming up to Toronto and they were actually presenting to uh, the leadership team about why we should actually want Sequoia's um, support in, in this round. And nice. at that point, it was that aha moment saying, all right, we actually do have something pretty amazing here. The fact that we're now getting, instead of us pitching to the VCs, the VCs are now pitching to us, but why yeah. we should take their money. And that's when we knew, all right, this is going to be uh, pretty exciting. And we're working with the likes of uh, Alfred Lin at Sequoia or John Albright, who was one of the early uh, in- investors in Relay Ventures. Mm-hmm. their support. We had a great board of directors and advisors throughout the, the journey of Achievers. Um, really hands-on, really wanted to get into the, the meat of the organization and get to know people. And I guess that's one of the things I really took away from the, from this process is that it's really about the people. It, it's They are the biggest asset in any software company. And I've kind of taken that mantra with me ever since that it's all about the people and nothing more than that. And if you're hiring great, talented, passionate people, then most likely things are going to work out all right for everyone in the end. Uh, it, and it was exciting. We, after we closed that raise of capital, we made a decision to um, 
open up uh, a San Francisco office and we had great culture in the Toronto office and we really wanted to transplant mm -hmm. that culture to San Francisco and we um, transplanted 15 individuals from Toronto uh, to San Francisco to kind of recreate that that vibe and energy and it was semi-successful there's a few lessons to, uh, to be learned I'm, I'm more and more a bigger supporter of Hey, we, anything that we can do in the Bay Area or in Boston or in Virginia, we can do mm -hmm. just as easily, if not better, just here at home and wherever your home base is, be it in Toronto, Vancouver, Chicago. Um, you don't need to necessarily go sure. to, to the Valley to be considered yeah. to be a, a, a successful software organization. And we, and we grew and uh, brought on some great organizations. We had the, the largest SaaS deployment ever, ever, ever in the world when we rolled wow. our platform to CVS and their 325,000 employees. They had CV, CVS Pharmacy at the time had something like 30 to 40 different software solutions that the organization were using, but we were the only one that ever, that touched every single employee at the organization. So that was a wow. big, big celebration for us and a, a great milestone for us to have that happen. And then we, we approached kind of 2014, 15, and, and things were, were going the, the right way. But you start to have those conversations about what, what does the, the next phase of achievers going to be and going to include? And yeah. and, and do we consider an exit? And through the support of the, the board of directors and the executive team, that decision was made kind of in the beginning of 2000, the middle of 2014, and we went through that process. And uh, it's a great, interesting process, and, and you, you get it narrowed down to, and you, you're always curious who it is that may be interested in, in, in buying. And we were lucky enough that we had uh, several parties that were interested in an exit. And Blackhawk just was the great, the, the right partner for us at the time. They're really focused on the gift card technology. And hmm. um, while Achievers was a software company, we also were a fulfillment of rewards company. So it was a great fit for uh, for that organization. And um, went through that process. And, and going through due D on, on, a, on, a, on a raise of capital is one thing, but going through an exit. <laughs> And the level yes. of work and effort being acquired by companies like Blackhawk publicly listed on the yeah. stock exchange. Talking about peeling back the onion, they, they peeled <laughs> back the onion. And, um, and we're lucky that, that there, there wasn't anything to be found and they were very successful. Sure. And we looked to, to close it um, the, the middle of July. We closed it in the middle of July. And then nice. I was asked to, uh, to stay on for uh, three months afterwards to help with some SEC filings that we needed to get done. And that was a great experience to work with their team. Um, their finance team was, I think, uh, I think total it's 120 people. Oh wow! Um, and I was dealing with uh, some extremely intelligent individuals on the Blackhawk side that had done tons of filings on the SEC side. It was a, a great experience to get to know what what how they went through their approach yeah. uh, on those filings. And since we completed those, and I as an individual um, made the, the decision that that uh, to go on and and. At this point, I had kind of the startup in, in startup gene in, in, in me, and yeah. <laughs> to, to continue it, and you're looking for uh, the next opportunity to kind of do it again, and the, the ride and the excitement of growing a, a software company or technology company uh, was just something that I, I needed to do again, and not necessarily stay at Blackhawk. So um, that got me to uh, Lookbook HQ, and there's so many lessons uh, to be learned. It's a process, making sure that you're on top of things all the time. You never know when something might come up. Don't let those right. Stock option agreement slide and not get signed. Don't <laughs> don't forget to file those certain state tax returns, et cetera, et cetera. But the the, the biggest lesson really is it, it's all about the people and the people that you're hiring, the people that you're retaining, making sure that they feel like they're a, a value to uh, 
to your organization. So, yeah, so on, on the people side, I, I want to dig into this a little bit more. Um, so, you know, you've held various uh, finance positions within technology companies across various stages, you know, from being controller at XCAPSA to director of finance at Sigma and VP finance at Achievers and now the CFO of Lookbook. So really, um, you've, you've kind of held many of the roles that uh, are typical within a finance function. And um, each role that you have held has been kind of progressive to now where you are as, as CFO. So uh, you mentioned that you, you believe a lot in developing uh, your team and the people, and that's really um, what, what it's all about. So talk to me about the progression of a finance professional within a technology company as they grow through the ranks. Like, what are the biggest differences between uh, going from a controller, director, VP, and then CFO? What what does that kind of um, chain look like? Yeah, it's 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 actually just kind of adding on bricks. So I think a lot of the time, there there's not a, a, a significant change in terms of what my roles responsibilities were, even from my controller days back at Excaps in 2005 to where we are now in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. Cash management, looking after cash, kind of at, at any startup technology company, be it the size of, of, of Sigma, and cash wasn't uh, a concern there to uh, growing a, a startup like um, Lookbook HQ when I joined, we were 25 employees and now 61 employees. To same story at Excapsource, employee number five to got up hmm. to 250. Cash management, getting in, looking at those bank yeah. accounts, and making sure that that money is still there every day. Um, that's that's going to be in your your job description from control all the way up to to, right. to CFO. Because um, cash is king. Cash, <laughs> cash is king. I, I, as I've heard <laughs> on every podcast of yours. Uh, cash is king, and, and I yeah. certainly agree, and it, and it always will be. The, the one thing that does happen through the, the progression is is your role does get wider. You get more involved in in the actual operational side of uh, of the organization. I think uh, I was lucky to have to have having had the the background at, at KPMG that you're you're when you're auditing your your mind is is, is there to kind of question things and ask that extra yes. so <laughs> what or why or does this actually make sense? And you ask that extra question, I think. As you progress in your organization, fellow leaders in, in the technology side or the client success side or marketing side, they look to you to say, hey, take a look at this analysis I did or let's talk about this hiring plan and does this make sense to you? And, and mm-hmm. they, they know it, it, it's, it's largely correct and bang on, but they, they, they value your input because they, they know that you've been trained in a way such to ask that one extra question that they haven't initially thought of and really find that. You develop that skill and you, you develop that relationship with uh, with leaders as you grow an organization from director to VP to, to CFO. And certainly one of the bigger changes from director to VP of, of finance really is the interaction you have with your, your auditors. You have that direct relationship with your auditors at this point, mm-hmm. your, your banks, your lawyers. Um, you really establish that relationship with uh, the, the starting to establish the relationship with the, the board of directors and certainly in that CFO role. You spend a lot of time just in conversations with the, the members of your board, your advisors, about what the, the future of the organization is and having more of the strategic conversations when you're in that CFO role. Makes a lot of sense. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask you about um, hiring individuals into the finance team. So, you know, as you look to grow a finance function um, and, and hire individuals onto your team, um, what are the kind of skills that you particularly look for and what makes a great finance leader, in your opinion? Yeah, if I think about it, like um, at, at Achievers, um, the nature of our business being software and, and the fulfillment side, we, our accounting team was actually 
15 or so individuals from four people in AP and a couple in AR to mm-hmm. planning analysis to our tax team uh, and then our just our, our day-to-day accounting team. The one skill I look for in, in, in all of them was was passion. And I mentioned this before. Is, um, mm-hmm. I, I really love hiring people that are exciting. And they don't have to be exciting. They, they have to be actually a little bit exciting to, to do accounting or do tax. They have to actually sure. love the profession they're in and or, or, or at least love the fact that they have an input on what they do today, has an input on how the organization is running and how the decisions are made. And they have to have a passion to communicate and meet other people and enjoy the, the, the culture aspect. I, I, I can't emphasize enough that when I made my first uh, finance hire at Lookbook HQ, if you looked at the individual that I hired, um, he, he's quiet, but you know what? There's an, an inner passion that he has about accounting and an inner passion about just having fun uh, in his uh, life. And, and he has a, a track record of enjoying himself and he, he values his time away from work and hmm. likes to explore the, the world and I can see that he's, he's passionate about things and I think a lot of the time people think that accountants are, are, are tax experts uh, just sit at their desk and they just w- want to plug away at spreadsheets. I, I want someone who is out there wanting to communicate with the people in, in marketing. You don't get the real right. sense of what that campaign really is about unless you're talking to the people. Hey, tell me about this great show you're, you're going to. And that makes it more relatable when they are doing their, their accounting. Um, you need to have kind of that, that track record of, of success. That's a big one that I certainly learned at Achievers is um, going through that, those individuals through the interview process saying, hey, tell me about the times that you were really successful and why mm-hmm. do you think you were successful. But then also say, hey, if you could change something during that period of your life, be it in university, what was something that you would have changed? And, and how, how honest are they with it themselves about recognizing um, that, hey, they could have done this differently or made this choice in a different way. But that's what I find really important in, in the hiring process. Skills, checking the boxes on, is this person a CGA or CMA, CPA? Does the person have experience in AP, transactions, mm-hmm. et cetera? That, sure, that's, that's required, but when I'm, uh, when I'm deciding to, to, to hire one individual out of three or four candidates, it's really about yeah. uh, the track record of success and then also can I, can I see that this person is, is passionate and, and will be a passionate person within my organization. For sure. So safe to say that you can't really teach passion, but you can kind of uh, train someone on, on figuring out the nuts and bolts of APAR, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, so, that's that's yeah. exactly. I think back to the SCAPSA day where a big part of our business was reconciling the flow of, uh, of, tra- of funds from various mm-hmm. um, intermediary banks. That stuff's not, not, not fun. Uh, and that person is going to get sick of their job unless they have passion for something else in the organization. And that can right. teach people how to maneuver these spreadsheets. I can't yeah. teach people to come into the office uh, first thing in the morning with a smile on their face and excited to, to see their coworkers and, and have, uh, have fun building a great organization. Yeah, for sure. And so last question before we hop into our quickfire round. Um, in your opinion, I always ask this, uh, what is the importance of the finance function at an early or growth stage technology company? It's a resource to, to the other departments. People will always kind of look, look on finance to keep them in check. Finance does not always have to be the, the, the bad cop, but many times it kind of <laughs> has to play that role from time to time. But I think you, you develop that, those relationships with people, and I kind of stress this, once you have those relationships with people, uh, when you have to make that, that, that decision that something is, is excessive, they, they respect you and, and they understand that um, you're here to protect the, the cash of the organization, right. depending on what phase of a startup you are. 
Um, it's really about uh, being a, a resource uh, to the other pieces of your organization. And if you're a higher um, uh, piece of that organization, it's really being a sounding board for the other leaders because they, they, of course, they yeah. understand the, the training that you've gone through if you were, for example, working at a, at a big uh, auditing firm way back when. So that's a, uh, the big piece of it. It's really, it's operational. The, the accounting stuff is, is pretty, uh, pretty easy stuff. At startup, mm-hmm. it's really the operational side, making sure that lights yeah. stay on. I, 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 <laughs> I tell people as, as a CFO, the one thing, I, one thing that I learned from my CFO at, at, at Achievers that uh, people will laugh about is, is, hey, him and I, we went out and we bought the office supplies for the office. And as in nice. finance, <laughs> I, I want my marketing people focused on producing leads. I want the salespeople focused on closing new business. I want my product and yeah. engineers working on developing amazing software. And I'm more than willing to roll up my sleeves to do the, the administrative tasks of the organization <laughs> because that's what it takes to, to, to grow a great organization. And I really learned that from, uh, from our, uh, our CEO, CFO, at, uh, at I Love Rewards is that you do whatever it takes and the role yeah. in finance sometimes is, hey, let's build that, that IKEA furniture for the growing office because awesome. that's, what you, that's what you gotta do. Right, right. Awesome. Well, I uh, would love to hop into a quick fire round now. So the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions and you'll have uh, 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? I'm excited. Let's do it. All right. So number one, your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related. Yeah, I, uh, on my, my way to work every day, I always check into uh, Saster. Uh, Jason Lincoln does some amazing stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, their podcast is great, but they're a great resource just online to get. And also just the, the, the Mars guys um, here in, in Toronto, just at um, MarsDD.com. Yeah. Great uh, resource of information. I think people would be blown away uh, how much information there is for startups, entrepreneurs, and, and finance people in general um, to actually uh, help you as you grow. Awesome. And your favorite uh, productivity hack? Favorite productivity hack? You know what? Um, I've, I've uh, implemented this about uh, six months ago, and thank God I did. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's to actually ignore the news of the day. So huh. uh, the second I, I get off um, my train and I start going to the office, I ignore the news until I'm back on my train at night or I'm driving home at night. Um, it's so easy to get uh, distracted by by stuff during your, your yeah. work day. If it's so many distractions, yeah. yeah if, if, it's, if it's, I know the two of us with a passion for the, the Toronto uh, Raptors, you get distracted by it, you get distracted <laughs> by the politics in the US. There's something new going on in, in, in Washington every two or three minutes and it's yeah. so easy to get uh, distracted. So I totally just turned off the access to news while I'm at work focusing on the organization and our employees. Hmm, interesting. I'll have to give that a shot. Uh, what, one thing you don't leave the office before finishing. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a small thing, but I think it's really important. I don't leave the office without kind of walking around my, my finance team and mm-hmm. making sure that they're good, they're set, they don't have any questions, they know where I'm going to be um, either this evening or tomorrow if I'm going to be in a meeting. Um, making sure that they're really happy and they're ready to, to end their day and make sure that their tomorrow is going to be extremely successful. And then just walking around the office in general and just checking in on, on people. I think um, the relationship with your employees in your department and outside of your department is extremely important for the success of the organization. 
Wow, that's really awesome. Yeah, and um, you know, thanks again uh, for for sharing all this insight with us. Uh, really appreciate your your time, and uh, it was really interesting to learn about the journey. You know, from uh, for achievers having raised a, a, a ton of money and then having a successful exit to now um, your role at Lookbook and what you really uh, have to do as you go through um, the various roles uh, within a finance function. So thanks again, Dwayne. Really appreciate it. Awesome. I, I had uh, a lot of fun. Awesome.